Triple G and the rest, like an overhand right from Crusher Kovalev. The tale of the tape on TheBoxingRant.com. It's the pound for pound, undisputed kings. It's the tale of the tape, time to enter the ring. The tale of the tape on TheBoxingRant.com. Welcome back to the tale of the tape. What up, what up, fight fans, and welcome back to episode 89 of the Pound for Pound King of Boxing Podcasts, The Tale of the Tape. I'm your host, Kenny Keith, and back with me, as always, Vince Cummings. What's up, my good man? Not much, my friend. Episode 89, and we keep on chugging. Uh, The Tale of the Tape Boxing Podcast brought to you here by the Boxing Rant YouTube channel. You can subscribe to the Tale of the Tape Boxing Podcast on iTunes today, if you haven't already, and also Be sure to subscribe to The Boxing Rant on YouTube for new videos, new episodes of The Boxing Rant as we go into more short-form videos as we do previews, predictions, inside analysis on the biggest events, the biggest fights, and the hottest topics inside the world of professional prize fighting. You can follow us on Twitter, get social with us, follow Vince Cummings at VinceCummings81, and you can follow myself, Kenny Keith, at Kenny Keith Jr. All right, man, we have a new undisputed heavyweight champion of the world. Did you think we'd be saying that on episode 89 of the Tale of the Tape? I absolutely did not. No chance. Yeah, it's a big surprise, but... You know, we go back and listen to the old episodes, um, you know, ever since we really started to follow the career of of Tyson Fury, um, covering all of his fights, uh, breaking down um, what he does in the ring and watching the progression of a guy that has a reputation and, you know, I think unrightfully so as, you know, just being a big, a big brute, which in reality, what gained him the victory against Vlad Dr. Steelhammer, Vin, was actually what makes Tyson Fury so dangerous. Um, and now the undisputed heavyweight champion of the world is his boxing ability. Yeah, there's there's not a big man that I can remember that looks as as big and luggish as Tyson Fury does that that just seems to move so well and so smooth. It's 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 very odd, man. Yeah, it is. You know, it's six foot nine. Uh, uh this fight coming in at two hundred and forty six pounds, him and Vlad. And they look to be about the same height, so you know I think the six foot nine may be like that. Uh, you know they always say that like NBA players are actually three inches shorter than what they really are. Right. I remember when I was living in um, uh, I was living in the uh, Tampa Bay area down in Florida, and a lot of professional wrestlers live in Tampa, Clearwater, um, in that area. And uh, the Hulkster, yeah, the Hulkster. Uh, matter of fact, that's who I'm about to talk about. Um, was living in a uh, a suburb. Um, on the coast called Bel Air, mm-hmm. and uh, used to run into him at the grocery store all the time. And there was an Albertsons um, in Seminole, Florida, in the in the in the village of Seminole. Um, and we go to the grocery store, and you'd see the Hulkster in line. And I'm there with my uncle, 
Uh, Marty, you know Marty. Oh yeah. You know uh, Marty's six foot one, two hundred and sixty pounds, big, thick, broad-shouldered guy. Yeah. And uh, the Hulkster's maybe an inch or two taller than him. Really? Yeah. He's not six six. <laughs> no. I mean, you know, at his prime, juicing or like like mid eighties, I guarantee you, he was every bit of three hundred and twenty-five pounds. Right. No doubt about it. But he's more like six three, six right. four. Yeah. That's that's just something that happens in all sports across the board. Yeah. Um, and what's funny is, is that Tyson Fury probably embodies the uh, the caricature of a WWF wrestler probably better than anybody right now. <laughs> he does, man. Uh, you know, he he's he comes to the ring, he sings, he's he's just got this personality that, especially in the heavyweight division, it's been so long since there's been a guy that actually brings something to the ring other than just a big punch. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Can you recall who who maybe was like the last like? character like that in the heavyweight division i mean you almost have to go as far back as muhammad ali i mean they're nowhere near the same type of character but somebody that's that's you know boisterous like that and yeah i I really there's nobody that comes to mind whatsoever yeah yeah he's definitely one of a kind um yeah there's no doubt about that whatsoever the mind games leading up to the fight um you know we go more in depth into this fight on uh, the most recent video of the Boxing Rant on the Boxing Rant YouTube channel where we go in depth for about 30 minutes about uh, Klitschko versus Fury. But the mind games coming into this fight, man, there was a key thing for, for a young, brash, um, you know, flamboyant guy to try to, you know, there's a perception that Vlad is kind of soft in, the, in between the ears. Mm-hmm. And, you know, uh, not only was the strategy... Um, that they used inside the ring to uh, to box the giant where other people have failed by trying to attack Vlad is that he uh, attacked him mentally in a much more, I would say, creative and possibly more deliberate and uh, devised methodology than was used by David Hay. Because David Hay was saying some some crazy shit to Vlad. Right. Like, like stuff I'm going to rip your... You know, headless babies, and he was right. talking about all kinds of crazy shit. Whereas Tyson was kind of, he was just, he was, he was digging at him and digging at him, digging at him, and probably making Vlad at the same time think, "What the hell is wrong with this guy? Is this guy okay?" <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. It's hard to say. Yeah, it's hard to say, but it's definitely the right kind of gamesmanship, uh, and it's gamesmanship that not only the, he- the heavyweight division has needed an injection of adrenaline for such a long time. Yes. Um, and you know what? Maybe Tyson Fury is the guy to do it. As long as he can sustain, um, you know, he doesn't necessarily have to be the undisputed heavyweight champion of the world. But if he can have a, a bit of a reign, um, he fights his contemporaries and can put on a good show. Um, in the meantime, we could be in for a nice long haul, considering the age of Tyson Fury, uh, for a pretty entertaining ride over the next six or seven years. One thing I will that that does bring some caution to me about Tyson Fury is this is the by far the most, the best we, shape we've seen him in for a fight. Mm-hmm. He looked the best we've seen. Hopefully he doesn't get a little uh, little full of himself and gain 20 pounds and, and come back as the Tyson Fury that we've seen that at times looks sloppy. But even when he looks sloppy coming into the ring, the dude can still box, man. Yeah, yeah. No, the Derek Chisora fight is a perfect example. Yeah. You know, the most recent Chisora fight. I mean, you know, he looked like he was wearing an inner two around his waist. But, yeah. You know. You couldn't help but notice it was confusing to the eye to watch somebody that looked so visibly out of shape but was boxing so slick and had such really good and fundamentally sound uh, footwork. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Just, yeah, it's crazy. It is crazy. It does not add up. 
All right, the WBA, WBO, IBF, IBO, and the ring heavyweight titles on the line. The title of undisputed, undeniable um, heavyweight champion of the world on the line. We get to the action or lack thereof. And, you know, early on in these rounds, man, I mean, pretty much I would say for the entire first half of the fight, to me, anyways, I know a couple people scored, I think it was round four for, for Dr. Steelhammer, but, I mean, on my scorecard, I had it 6-0 through six rounds, and I, I wasn't exactly sure what was going on with Vlad, but the thing that really stuck out to me the most, man, and I keep reiterating this in conversations I have about the fight, is that Fury, to me, his most successful tactic while utilizing his boxing skill from the outside and keeping Vlad away from him was his deployment of the feint. I mean, he did it He did it great. Yeah, I think he kind of... he. He got to Vlad as far as, like, you know, Vlad kind of, maybe he is scared to get hit. Maybe he doesn't want to get touched, and that fainting just kept him. Fidgety as hell. Yeah, it it just kept him. The guns were in the holster. He was too scared to throw, man. He just couldn't do it. Yeah. Yeah, I think you're right, Vince. I think you're exactly right. Um, You know, we get to uh, the seventh round of the the fight, and uh, Klitschko just looked completely lost, completely lost. And this was at the point in the fight where Jim Lampley just started trying to rattle off all kinds of crazy excuses about like, <laughs> you know, like he's in the middle of a, of a, of a heavyweight championship fight with a gigantic man standing across from him. And uh, he's, he's saying like, Oh, he's probably thinking about his newborn kid and he's probably worried about his wife. And uh, <laughs> if you're thinking about that during a fight, you're going to get knocked out. Yeah, come on. He's the heavyweight champion of the world. He's not worried about that when he's in the ring defending his belts and defending his his legacy. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, 8, 9, 10, 11, and even into the 12th, which was really perplexing why he would even resort to it in the 12th when, when it was going to take a knockout to win this thing, um, the holding. I mean, he was just, like, habitually holding, but there was nothing to it. I mean, like... Guys like like Floyd Mayweather and Andre Ward um, and Vladimir Klitschko that have had successful reigns and have been able to neutralize their opponent's offense have been able to launch their own sort of counter offense by utilizing the clinch. He was just utilizing the clinch like, I don't know, man, like like as if it was habit. Like, uh, Yeah, habit or I don't know, maybe he, he's so used to being ahead in fights at that point in time. He, yeah, he just does it. He doesn't even think about it. Just... It's all it's natural to him. He whenever an opponent gets close to him, Vlad's gonna clutch. Bizarre, man. Bizarre. Well, you know what? And then and that final three minutes in the twelfth round, all of his holding combined probably equaled forty five seconds to a minute. Yeah. And if how how are you going for the knockout if that's what you're doing? No, he he completely shot himself in the foot. Um and as was the result, the judges, one fifteen to one twelve times two, one sixteen, one eleven, um, the new undisputed heavyweight champion of the world, the Gypsy King, mm. Tyson Fury. My card, 117 to 110. My card, 116, 112. It is, um, you know, Klitschko's significance historically. I, personally, man, we don't need to really get into that right now. Right. Uh, you know, when he retires from the sport and hangs it up, we can kind of digress a little bit more into that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think what we can address in the immediacy of this loss is that I don't think that this should have 
any bearing whatsoever on his legacy. Absolutely not. No way. He he has his legacy is cemented long before he stepped in the ring for this fight. The guy has reigned over the heavyweight division for a decade plus. Nineteen defenses was it coming into that fight? Yeah. I mean, come on, man. There, there's that's happened in heavyweight history one other time. Yeah. No. I mean, come on. The, the guy is belongs with the greatest ever and. This fight aside, it does not matter, he, and he'll he'll stay there in my eyes. There's always going to be those distract the the Klitschko detractors that that try to tell you he's been a fraud from the beginning. Uh, they don't know anything about yeah, boxing. Man. You don't know what the hell you're talking about. I'm sorry. Yeah, you know, look, the truth is that this has not been the greatest or one of the greatest eras in heavyweight history. No, everybody acknowledges that. Okay, but it's all relative. Okay, it's all relative. Bill Russell right? Has more NBA championships than anybody, right? Nobody regards him as being the greatest Mm -mm. center of all time because it's all relative because he was a six foot nine brother playing hoops with a bunch of five foot 11 white guys. Yeah. Just dominating, just dominating. Right. Same with Wilt Chamberlain. Wilt Chamberlain was seven foot two, you know, nearly 300 pounds playing basketball, playing against other centers that are six foot eight. Yeah. You know, dominant. You know Shaquille O'Neal. She, Shaquille O'Neal got got he got taken to school in the first half of his career. People people forget before he went to the Lakers. Oh, freaking Hakeem Olajuwon, David Robinson, and Patrick Ewing used to school him. I'll, I'll never forget the dream just working him over in the NBA Finals when they beat him four zero. I think. Yeah, just just yeah, dude. Uh, jab stepping him to death, man. <laughs> Jab stepping him and pump faking him on the baseline to death. But that's my point is is that it's all it's all relative to the generation because then once that arguably the greatest generation of NBA centers of all time, mm-hmm. once Elijahwan Robinson, Ewing, Rick Smiths, yeah, right? Yeah. W- once that generation of center retired, it was the era of Shaq. Oh, and he, and just, he dominated the he, NBA. He dominated, completely dominated, almost more than any center has ever dominated in the sport. Exactly, since Will Chamberlain. Yeah. So does that take away from Shaq's legacy in the sport because of the era that he dominated in? No, it's not his fault. And, and the same goes for Klitschko. And I think if you look at it from that perspective, yeah, look, we can't go back into a time machine and pit these guys against one another. You know what I mean? I mean, look, if, if we take Joe Frazier versus Vladimir Klitschko, that is a fight we could sit here and debate until the end of the universe because of Frazier's relentless body attack right. and Klitschko's lack thereof, mm-hmm. right? Well, Klitschko's enormous size and strength and one-punch one knockout power, that is a huge threat to Joe Frazier. Exactly. So, you know, it's like comparing Ali, Ali and Tyson. That's always the debate, right? Oh, yeah. Uh, Tyson in his prime or Ali in his prime. Well, here's the thing. Both of them were... Uh, not boxing in their prime, right? One of them was banned from boxing um, because of, of his political stances right. and stripped of his title, mm-hmm. right? And the other one was in jail for rape. So both of their primes were actually not in the sport. Yeah, I think both of them lost 26, 27, 28 in jail. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or not, well, Ali wasn't in jail, but not fighting. Right, uh, but uh, at the end of the day, you're not fighting. Yeah. You know, and, mm-hmm. and neither fighter was the same after Ali went on when he came back to have some of the most memorable fights of all time. Yeah. You know what I mean? And and really cemented his legacy of all time. Mm-hmm. But that's when he started to he became vulnerable. The myth and the you know, all of that 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 lore 
that surrounded him and that aura, all that stuff, the same thing with Mike Tyson being the killer, right? He was a broken-down, fragile human being. Oh, yeah, Buster Douglas brought him back to earth, as well as a Joe Frazier left hook in the 14th round brought Ali back to earth. So, yeah, and, 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 and so it's all relative. And Klitschko's road, much different, right? You know, Klitschko was a decorated, decorated amateur. Yes. Right? He was supposed to come out of the gates and take boxing by the throat. And it didn't start that way for him. No. He had a rough start, okay? He was an action fighter. He was an aggressive heavyweight, a throwback heavyweight of old. Right. And it got him hurt and hurt bad by lesser fighters, right? Mm-hmm. And, and that's the reality of it. So Klitschko ended up learning from his mistakes and put together um, – probably the second greatest run in heavyweight boxing history. I agree 100%. Uh, there's you cannot there's you can't take anything away from Klitschko if you do. I'm sorry. Come on, man. Get get off your high horse. He's easily one of the 10 12 best heavyweights ever. Absolutely, man. Absolutely. So the next generation, um the mantle seized by the Gypsy King, Tyson Fury. Um there are still a couple older cats that are very dangerous. Uh, Pavetkin and Luis Ortiz, yeah, two guys. I think they're the same age. I think they're both thirty-six years old. Mm-hmm. But both, you could argue, um, are the you could say you you could legitimately make an argument now for the heavyweights that are left, say ranked in the top ten. Um, and you can visit theboxingrant dot com, or you can check out the latest episode, the Klitschko versus Fury post fight on the Boxing Rant YouTube channel, where Vince and I go into depth and count down the top ten. Uh, heavyweight rankings as we have them but there's dangerous guys from you got the young guys like joshua and parker to the older guys like pavetkin and, and ortiz i mean come on man there is there is some knockouts waiting to happen if they can over the next four or five years make these fights with the guys that are that are remaining in the top 10 there are some action fights on the horizon yeah i, I mean the there's a level of excitement that's kind of brewing with this changing of the guard in the heavyweight division with the possibility of a lot of really, really good fights and really, I think, would be exciting fights. I mean, this this Klitschko-Fury fight, as grand as the outcome was and and, and Fury stealing the, the belts from Klitschko, the fight itself kind of lacked. Right. Well, I mean, that's been Klitschko's detractors right. have always criticized him for the, the way in which he goes about his craft, mm-hmm. right? But it was that same way he went about it that was his undoing in, in, the, in the Fury fight. Right. And Fury, to beat Klitschko, he had to fight him a certain way. You can't go into Klitschko's wheelhouse and fight him. You're going to get knocked out. You're run into a right hand, and it's good night, sir. Exactly. So he didn't. He did what he had to do to win, and he won. But here's the thing. There's a bunch of heavyweights now um, that remain. Klitschko may get his rematch, exercise that rematch clause and fight Tyson Fury next year at Wembley. I know that that is definitely an option out there, and I'd, I'd love to see a rematch. I think it would probably be a more um, more exciting fight. I think Klitschko knows he would have to go for it. Yeah. But, dude, some of these fights starting December 19th, we got a good heavyweight one on the horizon. We'll preview that um, in, a, in a few episodes. It'll probably be uh, next week, the week after that. We'll be previewing Luis King Kong Ortiz as he squares off against Bryant by by Jennings. You looking forward to that one? Yeah, I mean, that's going to line up one of those two guys for a shot at one of these titles, whether it's Wilder or whether it's Fury, these guys are, are going to be next in line, the winner of that fight. Oh, yeah, no no diggity, um, no doubt. And then, of course, the young guns coming up, right? Yeah. Joshua and Parker. Scary. I think everybody on that list is looking at both of them going, oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> Can we hold these guys back a little bit? <laughs> yeah, yeah, because they are explosive. Yeah. Explosive. 
Um, all right, so there you have it. Klitschko versus Fury, a new undisputed heavyweight champion of the world. All right, it was a big weekend for UK fighters. Yes. Um, as we move to later on in the evening, Showtime Championship Boxing, Quebec City, Canada, Century Videotron, a new arena, plays host to the ballsy, dare to be great, former Olympic, British Olympic gold medalist, James DeGale, defending his newly acquired, newly earned, newly taken IBF super middleweight strap against former, former champion Lucien Boutte. Um, this fight was exactly as we anticipated, and I think even a little bit more. This is a really good fight. Yeah, highly, highly skilled fight. Two guys that, that brought complete, you know, heart, just showed their heart, both of them in this fight completely. I mean, the fact that Butte put the, put on the fight that he did. I mean, I don't think a lot of people expected that he had that in him. I mean, no. he, he brought it, man. He he was bringing it. I mean, not not boxing. He was going for it. Yeah, we talked about it in, on uh, on 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 the boxing rant about you know really the, probably the the biggest difference maker and the key um, difference in James DeGale prevailing in this fight was how DeGale started the fight. And I've heard some interviews and read some quotes from Lucien Boutet in the aftermath of this fight where Boutet uh, regrets not starting faster. I, you know, even if he started fast, the gale started so damn fast. He ran out of the corner, opening bell, yeah. ran out and went right for it. I mean, he was trying to finish it in the first round. Yeah, his effective aggression um, was definitely the controlling force in the fight. Boutte was game landing fifty uh, percent of his power punches early on, but just couldn't throw as many punches as the game. No. That was really the difference. Um, you know, there was some uh uh the fight wasn't without its own adversity though, DeGale getting cut um in the fifth round of his left eye and uh it definitely bothered him and Boutte seized the moment as um he began to uh implore his own level of effective aggression in the middle rounds. And then it was kind of back and forth for the rest of the fight. Um, you know, it was a toss up all the way to the very end. My scorecard Vince, I had it one fifteen to one thirteen for chunky James DeGale. Yeah. I had it one sixteen, one twelve. I thought it was a great fight through and through. I, 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 I expected a good fight. I did not expect that great of a fight. James DeGale just impresses me more and more with each outing. His offbeat, off rhythm style, mm-hmm. just the way that he goes about his business. There's nobody in boxing that fights that way. I think he poses a major, major problem for anybody in that division. Yeah, you know, um, there's been some people out there. I, I, I was reading uh, Stephen Edwards' mailbag on BoxingScene.com, and somebody asked him, "Is there anybody out there that you see that can uh, possibly beat Golovkin?" And he said, "The Gale. The Gale would be the guy that he would." pick that could possibly beat Golovkin yeah it's so it's so hard to pick somebody like I know. he can't beat Golovkin but you're right I mean that style could pose problems for anybody and, and plus he's he, he, there'd be a, a definite size advantage in the ring I mean right. I mean DeGale's a pretty tall super middleweight you can't bring in sparring partners to emulate James DeGale it's no not gonna happen no no because he's one of those guys you can't you can't pigeonhole him as oh he's a southpaw right or oh he's a righty you know what I mean you can't because he, he he fights how he needs to. Mm-hmm. He shifts his feet and his center of balance and his shoulders, and he launches punches wherever he finds an opening and an avenue to do so. 
You know what I mean? I mean, he does what he has to do. Yeah, and... he'll, he'll be in the orthodox stance and then jump forward with his back foot and throw a, a lead uppercut with that hand. It's like nobody in boxing does that. You don't teach that. It's just kind of a feel thing for him, I think, in the ring. And it's impressive, man. It's seriously impressive. I Two fights ago before he beat Darrell, you, you had questions about the Gale. I, I, those questions are basically erased in my mind. This guy is a legit, legit super middleweight champion. Yeah, I think so. I mean, I definitely think that, um, you know, I, 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 I love the fact that he's calling out Bedou Jack. I think that would be a really, really good fight, a really entertaining fight. Two, mm-hmm. two guys that fight with a lot of heart. Uh, two guys that fight with a lot of determination and two guys that want to break you down. I mean, that's what they want to do. Right. Um, and that aren't necessarily the one-punch knockout guys, but the guys that are going to try to beat you down with uh, with just volume and accuracy. Another thing you got to love about DeGale is he doesn't mind packing his bags and going, no, to, your, going to your backyard. He doesn't gotta, care. Got to love that, man. Yeah, he's a throwback fighter. That's yep. why the guy gets so much respect. You know, you got a good personality. You're a good fighter, you know. You bring it every time you're in the ring, and you travel, and you don't make stupid, petty excuses and value yourself way no. higher. He has supreme confidence in himself, but he also respects his opponents. Right. You know what I mean? And that is something that a lot of young American fighters are not doing. Yeah, they, take note. Yeah, exactly, because <laughs> they do not respect their opponents. No. And when you don't respect your opponents, um, well, then something else happens that we'll get to here in a second. Um, Elidor Alvarez versus Isaac Chalumba. All right, a close competitive fight. This was actually like Alvarez is one of these fighters that I don't like to watch. He's he's shifty as hell. Uh, sometimes he can get really he can kind of fall out of his technique and he can get a little sloppy. Yeah, and he can sometimes get a little bit like Sakiobika kind of twitchy. It's like okay, let's kind of get it back together here. Yeah, rein it in. Yeah, but here's the thing. I like his heart. I like his aggression. Mm-hmm. Um, he fights really, really hard. He fights very determined. So that that uh, all by itself is is uh, certainly uh, highly respectable. Isaac Chalemba, man. I mean, you know, he's been one of these guys that we've kind of we kind of given him a little heat because at times he, he's kind of like Martin Murray. Like you, he he he's right there on the precipice, and you think that that it's in him or right. that it's possible for him to take it to the next level, put it in that final gear to take the fight. And he just doesn't. Yeah. This was a fight that I thought he did. I thought that he dug deep. I thought he fought his heart out. He fought hard till the end. But the thing was, man, is that Alvarez, you know, he got the decision, the controversy that surrounded this fight, Vin, I just thought was absolutely ridiculous. Yeah. I, I wasn't, I couldn't get behind it either. I, I think Alvarez won the fight. Was it a very close fight? Yes. But I think the guy who deserved to win got the win. Sure. And, but would you have, would you have screamed travesty if Chalembo would have won? No, not at all. Because he, it wasn't one of those fights like, for example, like DeGail Boutte, right? right? It was a great fight. And but even though I scored it one fifteen one thirteen and I scored it so close, that is it, that has no no way shape or form does that say that I almost scored it a draw. Right. It's just the way that I scored round by round because, in my opinion, Butte did not win that fight. And if Butte had gotten the hometown decision on that, I would have uh, yes cried travesty. On that that, would, that would have been a travesty. Yes. But the you know regardless one fifteen one thirteen or one eighteen to one ten what one fifteen one thirteen says for the DeGale Butte fight is that it was a competitive fight that DeGale clearly won. Yep. Um, the Alvarez Chalemba fight I don't know why people are trying to like rip this judge's head off like 
as if the judge needs to be thrown to the wolves, this mob mentality. Like, you know, if you, if you say something that, you know, that upsets these super sensitive Twitter types that they, you know, they game, like it's mob rule and they all like come marching in with their pitchforks and their torches. And they're like off with his head. And they just want to, they want to fry everybody. They want to ruin people's lives while they hide behind their fake avatars and their fake names. You know what I mean? And at, at the end of the day, look, if you want to, if you want to, if you want to give somebody some grief, if you want to, you know, go somewhere with some pitchforks and some torches, go to Al Heyman's house because it's an, it's an Al Heyman fighter that got the decision on an Al Heyman network in an eliminator fight that the winner would fight an Al Heyman champion. So, of course, Al Heyman is going to get the benefit of the doubt. This has nothing to do with that judge. No, uh, not at all. It's just, oh, man. It's like, give, look, give Chalemba his, his credit. But if you want to scream travesty, let's, let's point the finger where it deserves to be pointed. Exactly. Amir Mom, the young master, <whistles> enters the show against Adrian Granados. This, to me, and seemingly after watching the fight, Amir Imam thought so too. Yeah. That this was a foregone conclusion. Um, not so much. Imam, very telling early. Um, you take away the first round of the fight, just look at his boxing performance. You look at that opening round, Vince, and you can see exactly, exactly the inev- inevitability of the ending of this fight. An upset was on the horizon as Imam abandoned his most lethal fight controlling, neutralizing, as Teddy Atlas says, put them bugs on the windshield and blind your opponent. Not only did he not, he was cleaning his opponent's windshield for him. Yeah, uh, a completely unexpected performance. You didn't expect Granados to be that tough. I mean, he took a mom's heart in that fight. (laughs) He just would not stop just coming at him, punches in his face. Was he punching that hard all the time? No, but he was sure shit landing a lot of punches. And we found out that Amir Mom cannot fight off his back foot, does not move his head, is not very good defensively, leaves himself wide open a lot. And that, that early knockout was, is what did him in. I think he got supreme confidence. And, and from that point on, he figured, I'm one right hand away from this being over. And he never got it again. And he was lost. I mean, completely lost in that fight. I didn't score one round for him after that knockdown. That's crazy, man. I, and uh, you're not alone with that, um, with that assessment. I mean, a lot of people scored it exactly the same way. I was in such shock, you know, at at the fact that a guy that is so a young fighter that has such an advanced weapon of a jab. I mean, <laughs> veterans for a fight for ten, fifteen years will never. Some of them will never have the jab that Amir Imam has at such a young age. He, and, and, and the fact that he abandoned it and decided to fight in so close that this guy can be a career-dominant fighter at range. He can box you. He can stay right there. He does not need to run. No. But he can keep you at a comfortable range with his long arms and pepper you to death with that shotgun jab. Man, it's a telephone pole jab. It is. And he was so close in Granados smothered any attempt at victory not not only did he smother his effort he and 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 his airspace and suffocated him yeah swallowed his punches too yeah it's back to the drawing board for the imam camp for sure yeah yeah there's no doubt about it he was he was polling twitter uh today asking asking fans if they wanted to see a rematch 
Um, now we just want to see you take a fight seriously, man. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um, and, and, and your camp, uh, matching you properly because, you know, at the end of the day, um, you can't sit here and tell me that, that Granados was the better fighter. He just wanted it more. No, no, you're he was, exactly he, right. He was better prepared. Yep. You know? So, um, yeah. And you know, we see that we saw that with, uh, Tony Harrison. Yep. Right. Another young American fighter, supremely confident, beating up on inferior competition mm-hmm. gets thrown in with a tough fighter and gets knocked out. Yeah. It's, it's, you know, he doesn't fall in the, uh, in the PBC side of things, but it almost, he almost appeared to be a PBC fighter in that fight. Just the way we complain about those guys not getting stepped up uh, properly and running into an opponent that they're just not prepared for because they, they've never seen it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, um, he paid the price. So it, it, like you said, back to the drawing board, and it just it stunts things. But you know what? Maybe it's a good thing because he would have been embarrassed by Victor Postal. Yeah, I think a lot of times the best thing for a young fighter, especially like a mom who we know has the skill set to be very, very good, a loss is the best thing that can happen to you, and it might as well happen while you're young. Yeah, absolutely. Um, absolutely. All right, let's go ahead and um, close the door on Showtime Championship Boxing from Quebec City, Canada. James DeGale does the deal, retains his title in a tough fight against Lucian Boutte. Now he wants to move right on to uh, Badu Jack and keep on trucking, going after the best opponents. You have to respect that, um, no doubt about it. There was a PBC on NBC card at the Bomb Factory in Dallas, Texas. I don't want to really feel like going too much in depth into this. If you, no. want, if you want to hear what we have to say about this, um, stop by the Boxing Rant YouTube channel. Um, either Wednesday-ish this week, at the middle of the week, there'll be a video uh, posted where we talk for about, we rant for about 20 minutes um, about this card, about the damage that this kind of card does to boxing and the development of young fighters whose egos are being inflated um, by inferior opponents. um, And uh, the continued risk that they put these inferior opponents in, in the ring with. I mean, these guys could get hurt. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, they're, they're just gross, dangerous mismatches. And, uh, at the end of the day, even if it's not, if it's not the, if it's not the B sides that they're, that they're just finding under rocks all over the world, um, if it's not the B sides that are inevitably going to pay the price for it, it's going to be one of these young, young, talented fighters that are not being developed properly. Yep. Um, and that's a fact. So that's all we're going to say about that right now. And I'm pretty sure that most of you listening to episode 89 of the Tale of the Tape Boxing Podcast probably didn't watch it anyways. No, no. All right, so that'll do it for the wrap-up from this past weekend. So now we move to a preview of a fight that actually is probably going to be pretty entertaining. Um, Saturday, December 5th, this Saturday, Showtime Championship Boxing from the Barclays Center in Brooklyn, New York. It's the Battle of Brooklyn. (laughs) Danny Jacobs versus Peter Quillen for the WBA Junior Varsity Championship of the World at 160 pounds. Um, They are promoting the hell out of this fight right now. Yeah, it's getting a big push. I mean, for Danny Jacobs and Peter Quillen fight, it's... They're getting a lot of press, press that you wouldn't expect. And you, not that you wouldn't expect it, but these guys kind of, are they deserving of as much press as this is getting? No, I mean, considering the fact of, you know, the circumstances of which, you know, Quillen um, backed out of the fight against Matt, uh, Maxey Korobov, mm-hmm. you know, the fact that he 
didn't make weight against Andy Lee and then fought him to a draw. Um, and then his last fight, Peter Quillen fighting against a guy that he outweighed by 25 pounds. He sent him out of the ring on a stretcher and then was throwing candy into the crowd while this guy is getting oxygen pumped into him from a tank and has his neck in a brace, um, being stretcher boarded yeah. out of the place. And wh- meanwhile, while this guy's life is hanging in limbo, Quillen's throwing chocolates into the crowd, and Danny Jacobs is positioned perfectly by the PBC producers. Uh, and uh, they magically make eye contact. And it just so happens that Dan- <laughs> Danny Jacobs is sitting like 10 rows into the crowd wearing a headset with a microphone on. Right. Ready to go. <laughs> you know, like the it just uh, contrived bullshit. And here we are now. Um, all all that aside, I mean, that's the way they want to do things. That's the that's the way that they want to promote fights, you know, and they want to just go back to amateur hour and the way that they promote fights. And if that's the way they want to do it, fine. That's their problem. Right. N- not mine. Um, Danny Jacobs versus Peter Quillen should be a very action-packed fight. Yeah, it's going to be a fun fight, one of the more fun fights that the PBC has put on all year. It's a guarantee you're going to get serious action. Both guys will probably taste the canvas in this fight. Uh, it's going to end in a knockout. It's probably not going to go the distance. Both guys we've seen go down in fights recently. Um yeah, I, I can't think of any reason why this fight wouldn't be good. You know, it, it, they're going to tell you it's for the middleweight championship of the world. It, it really isn't. But look, these guys are going to bring it. It'll be fun. I'm going to be tuned in. This is one of the more I've, I'm more excited for this than I've been for most of the PBC cards that have come out this year. Yeah, um, yeah it'll be a good one. I mean, look, let's be honest here, man. Danny Jacobs has a pretty suspect resume. Yeah. Um, he's got a pretty suspect professional career. Uh, you know, he had the unfortunate, um, you know, diagnosis, uh, cancer diagnosis, put him out of the sport for a little while, came back, they teed up um, an opponent for him, and, uh, you know, a, a, a second-tier middleweight belt, um, you know, gift-wrapped, he got it, and now he's they're trying to make him into a star. I mean, that's what he wants to be. That's, I guess, what the PBC wants uh, him to be. But unfortunately, as is the case with a lot of PBC fighters, there's just not the skill level to go along with it. Um, yeah. Danny Jacobs is, is a is, is supremely flawed fighter. Yeah, and that's what makes him fun to watch because <laughs> he brings it, and you know sooner or later he's going to catch one on the chin, boy. But he won't back down. You, you got to love it. And I no, mean, he's tough as nails. Yeah, and look, the guy, he's got a great story, and they'll they'll exploit the hell out of that story. Yeah, they'll tell it to you for the 50th time. Yeah, I mean, we all know, and we're all, I, the guy's great for, doing, for and, and gets all respect for beating cancer. But, yeah, I mean, come on, let's talk about Danny Jacobs, the fighter now. Yeah, 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 and that's exactly what we're talking about here. Um, Peter Quillen's a better fighter. He's a more seasoned fighter. Um, you know, I don't think that Peter Quillen is by any means a, you know, a, a, a master boxer, but what Peter Quillen is, is Peter Quillen has, uh, he's got ungodly power. I mean, yeah. the dude has devastating, devastating power. He's got over 30 knockdowns in his career in fights. Yeah. He almost puts in every fight, his opponent tastes the canvas. It's, I mean, you can almost guarantee it. His right hand is something serious yeah it is and i think that that's really going to be the difference in this fight i I, look i can't foresee this fight one way or the other whether it's a a, you know danny jacobs has the power to finish quillen yeah i just don't think that he has the you know the skill or the experience to be able to uh you know the odds of him landing that aren't very good and i just think that 
I think Peter Quillen is clearly, clearly the better fighter in mm-hmm. this fight. Yeah, I mean, come on. The PBC has wanted, wanted Quillen to have a belt for a long time now. I think they think he's their best middleweight, and they'd like to showcase him. And, yeah, I, I don't see this fight going past eight rounds. Yeah, neither do I. I think it's a clear, uh, clear Peter Quillen victory, and uh, he'll get his junior varsity trinket. But it may or may not make him the mandatory for Gennady Golovkin. And you know what? Honestly, I would love to see that fight. Yeah, I would too. I'd love to see it on the PBC. Yeah. On NBC or Fox in front of a lot of people, get some eyes on Golovkin that no, that don't normally see him. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, the undercard, Jesus Cuellar versus Jonathan Okendo. Should be a pretty decent fight. You know, mm-hmm. Okendo's tough enough, but I think Cuellar is just a little too fast, man. Yeah, you know? yeah. I mean, Okendo's, a, you know, a, I'm going to say on the downside of his career, but he's not what he used to be, and Cuellar's on the rise. And this is the fourth in a row fight for Cuellar against guys like Juan Ma Lopez, Ruben Tamayo, Victor Chinyan, and now to Okendo. After this fight, it's time to uh, to step it up to the next level. Yeah, I mean, they got plenty of featherweights, that's mm-hmm. for sure. Yeah. Plenty of guys around 126 pounds to fight. I mean, yeah, the Victor Chinyan fight was a joke. Oh, my God, was it? was it? an absolute joke, man. They just, like, fed that dude to the lines. Just feel bad for old Vic. Vic didn't mind. He's playing ping pong with Sugar Ray Leonard in the. <laughs> I forgot all about that ridiculous bit. Yeah. Oh man. Dun, 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 dun. <laughs> um, Chris Algieri is out of the cage against Eric Bonet. Um, the last time we saw Algieri, he was given Amir Khan everything he had, and last time we saw Eric Bonet, he was a fill-in extra for uh, Sean Porter's uh, PBC debut. Uh, Bonet, you know, he's got heart. He can crack a little bit. He punches pretty hard. <laughs> I don't know. He gave Porter, or he gave, uh, yeah, he gave Porter trouble for a couple rounds. Yeah, people got a little bit excited about his boxing ability, and the kid can box. But uh, yeah, I, look, uh, Algieri should be able to handle him. He's a more seasoned fighter. He's been there before. We all know Algieri can box. Last time we saw him, show us a little bit of a brawl against Khan, a little bit more toughness that we didn't see in fights before. Uh, I would expect Algeria to win this fight. Yeah, I would too. But, you know, anything can happen with Algeria. We saw Pacquiao knock him down six times. So, you know, maybe Bonet um, can land a few shots. This new Chris Algeria trained by uh, John David Jackson. I mean, maybe that's just, you know, maybe this new Algeria is going to be more aggressive. Yeah. You know, and that may make for a good fight, but we'll just have to wait and see. Um, either way, you know, it should be a decent, uh, a decent night of fights at the, at the end of the day, it's Danny Jacobs versus Peter Quillen that people are going to be tuning into. So that's this Saturday night, December 5th, Showtime Championship Boxing, the Barclays Center, Brooklyn, New York. All right. So that'll do it for the fight previews. There's a couple other fights from around the globe, um, that we're not going to get to on episode 89 of the tale of the tape, little news and notes, Kovalev versus Pascal too. The press conference took took place, and the narrative to this one, um, good old Pascal has accused Kovalev of being a racist, and that Pascal is fighting for the fighting for the justice of all black people in this fight, um, and is going to beat down the racist Russian. Yeah, uh, look, it doesn't surprise me. I mean, they need a little something to sell this fight. It's not really some. It's not really a rematch that anybody really needed to see Kovalev pretty much dominated yeah beyond a few big right looping right hands that Pascal landed which actually never one one of them never hurt Kovalev 
So I don't, you know, this, this, I, I can't get behind this rematch. Am I going to watch it? Yeah, but I, I feel like Kovalev's going to end this one quicker than he ended the first one. Yeah, I do too. Uh, especially after the the lack of an inspiration in uh, uh, Pascal's last fight against Uneski Gonzalez. I yeah. Mean, yeah, he just looked like he wasn't even there. I thought he lost that fight. So did I. Yeah, so did I. Um, but, uh, yeah, so that, that kicked off. And, um, you know, as far as news and notes from around the boxing universe as we sit here in, uh, in late November, soon to be December of 2015, um, yeah, I mean, there's not really much going on, you know. I guess we're just getting ready for uh, – Year's coming to a close, brother. It is coming to a close. But we look forward to uh, – we'll be back. Um, we'll do post-fight for Quillen versus Jacobs. Um, we'll have some previews for next week. Uh, Nonito Denaire and Felix Verdejo, uh, they return to do the deal. It looks like there's a, a showbox card, Regis Progre, mm-hmm. uh, back in action. So we'll talk about that a little bit. Um, and, uh, yeah, so Saturday night, Omar Figueroa, Antonio DeMarco from San Antonio, Texas. Your boy, Chris Nips. <laughs> Chris Ariola, um, Jose Benavidez, and Oscar Valdez showcase yeah. card. Uni Mas, we'll be watching that. Sullivan Barrera. So there's a bunch of you know not major A side, super popular fighters, right. but um, definitely a lot of fights to preview. And then of course we have Anthony Joshua versus Dillian White. That'll be a big one. Mm-hmm. Um, Kevin Mitchell back in action. Luke Campbell, Cool Hand Luke, Tony Bellew, and if, and probably the fight that I'm looking forward to the most out of any fight um, next week uh, is going to be Chris Eubank Jr. versus Gary Spike O'Sullivan. That ought to be a good one. Oh, I want Gary to just, please (laughs) put that man down. Please, Spike. (laughs) Uh, It'll be interesting. So, yeah, I mean, we got a bunch of fights to preview um, next week, so we'll definitely be back to do that for you. Yeah, not not to jump back to the Fury-Klitschko fight real quick, but... Uh Did you see the blisters on Fury's feet at the end of yeah, that fight? Yeah, I, I didn't even click on the on the play button for that. I, I saw a picture, a still of, of his feet. Some of the most disgusting blisters I think I've ever seen. For him to fight that fight the way he did, moving the way he did with them damn things, that's, a, that's impressive stuff, man. Oh. And then you see the other part where he's in the locker room and he's like, don't anybody give me a bottle of water from anyone. I'm, I'm scared the Klitschko camp is trying to drug me after the fight. <laughs> <laughs> he was dead not serious, dude. Do not give me a bottle of water. I don't want it. Is there a history of poisoning? I don't, from, I don't know, man. From the Klitschko's? <laughs> I don't know. I just thought it was hilarious. Oh, man, he's a Fruit Loop. <laughs> I don't know what you can take serious from him or not, man. He looked dead serious, man. <laughs> oh, man, oh, man. Yeah, so ch- I guess check out that blister video if you want to see something that I'll... Uh... Make you gag a little bit. Check it out right before dinner. You'll be all right. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, man. All right. So on that note, <laughs> that will do it for episode 89 of the Tale of the Tape Boxing Podcast. We appreciate you all tuning in once again. But uh, we'll be back next week with a post fight of Quillen and Jacobs as they do the deal on Showtime Championship Boxing. And previews galore as we wind down the 2015 boxing season so until then we appreciate you all tuning in to the tale of the tape boxing podcast here on the boxing rant.com 
for my co-host Vince Cummings, who you can follow on Twitter at VinceCummings81. I'm your host, Kenny Keith, and you can follow me on Twitter at Kenny Keith Jr. Be sure to subscribe to the Boxing Rant on YouTube, the Boxing Rant YouTube channel for new videos coming your way. Subscribe today. And subscribe to the Tale of the Tape Boxing Podcast on iTunes if you have not already. So until next week for episode 90, you've been listening to the Tale of the Tape Boxing Podcast here on theboxingrant.com. Muchas gracias, everybody.